Probably figured out now that Al's away. Luke, seal the door. <laughs> I use that every time. I never get much of a laugh, but I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, isn't the service good when you get to be up here? <laughs> um, yeah, so Al's asked me to do a bit of a talk. I fought it for a while. <laughs> but, um, he's got away with him. <laughs> he's got to do what he says. But um, I'm hoping that you know God's put something on my heart, and I hope there's something in it that's going to you know, be impactful and really help us. So um, I appreciate you guys for coming and probably didn't know I was on, did you? <laughs> good just came. There's some good stuff here. Um, I should probably start by praying again. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, Heavenly Father, I just pray that as uh, we hear these words this morning, Lord, that um, they'll penetrate our hearts, Father, um, that they'll have meaning to us uh, and bring new life into areas that have dried up, God. Um, Lord, and I pray that we leave here just with a sense that you know, we want to live our lives to please you that bit more, God, and just open up more areas that we hold back from you, God. Um, yeah, and just have a, a reverence and an honour for you, Father, for what you've done for us. Amen. Alrighty. Well, to start off, I thought um, I'd cheat a little and just recap Al's message last week because it was that good. So I was like, if you get nothing from me, you're going to get some good stuff from what Al said. Uh, if you were here, you already got it, but some of you weren't, so it's for the Brooks clan. Um, so Al was sort of teaching last week on how we need to base our views of ourselves on God's view uh, of us, not our own. Um, he went on to share a few examples in his own life, how uh, he had a few patches where he'd sort of, you know, look, look for worth from his job or look to people to, you know, get, get that um, worth from. Uh, the conclusion from all that was that as Christians, we don't need to chase acceptance and worth from the world. Um, we get that from being God's children and being loved eternally and without fault by him. Uh, so in case you weren't here for the ride last week, I thought I'd cover... There's two verses I thought were pretty cool in what Al was trying to <coughs> throw up. And first one, you don't have to look them up, I'll just read them. The first one was 1 John 4.19. He said, we love him because he first loved us. And the second one was cool, Ephesians 1.4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And what he was saying in that was that he highlighted the before part. So, you know, he chose us in him before Genesis, before there was anything. God had a plan for us. We were chosen. Um, we're pretty special to him. So um, that's where we get our worth from. So from what we heard last week, it's fair to say that God wants us to understand that we don't have to strive or earn for our worth um, from the world. And our identity is found in him. In, his, in God's eyes, we're his greatest creation and full of worth. Um, I was having a little think about identity because I thought this sort of, you know, I was just talking to Keith about identity, so hopefully there's something there. He's, he's was better than mine, though. But um, I was talking, thinking about identity the other day, and I remembered back when I first left school, I sort of um, had this feeling like, oh dear, I'm, I'm Bambi again, like I'm going back to the start of the pecking order. That, that was a pun too in there, if anyone wants to pick it up. Hey, focus. Um, yeah, so I was like going back to the start. You know, by year 12, you've got that I've made it sense. You're bossing little kids in year 7 around and then you've got to get a job and you're nothing again. <laughs> oh, gee, this is bad. It's going to backfire. Anyway, my grades had betrayed me. Um, I wasn't going to uni like most of my friends. Um, yeah, it was starting again pretty much. I got pretty lucky. I, I landed an interview at uh, Woolies in Lismore and um, yeah, I went in there thinking, oh, this won't be too bad. I'll be a, a checkout chap or a, you know, stocking shelves at night. That's pretty good. Um, I had the interview and the, the lady, she sort of flinched a few times and a few twitches, but she got past that and um, she rang me back a few days later. She's like, oh, we'd like to hire you. I was like, yes, yes, what is it? I need a job. And she's like, you could be a cleaner. And I was like, oh, come on. I was like, 
nothing against cleaning, but I was like, oh, man, I wanted something. I wanted to be on the checkouts, you know. I wanted to be at the front. <laughs> so I was the cleaner at, like, these ghastly hours of the morning. Um, you know, I got pretty pale under those fluoros for a while. Um, but, yeah, when, when we get our identity in something, there always comes roles with that. So for me at Woolworths, like, is that loud enough? It's good. Yeah, so for me at Woolworths... Um, that was my identity in there. I, I worked for Woolworths, but the role they gave me was to clean things. I did that most of the time. Um, it wouldn't have been very pleasing to the Woolies management if I'd spent the night stocking shelves where my role was to clean. Although there was this one time. <laughs> you know what's coming. You're like, oh, no, he's doing it again. But there was this one time. I was meant to like clean the butchers and the, uh, the bakery and the seafood and all that, and I had this hose and gloves, thank goodness. And um, I was cleaning out the seafood, and I had to like hose it down with a pressure cleaner into these traps. Anyway, the, the announcement come over, you know, reduced donuts, 50% off. I was like, whoa, <laughs> dropped the hose and ran. <laughs> and um, I remember stocking up on these donuts. And um, I was a little bigger back in the day. And uh, trouble was, when I went back, I just I picked up the hose and went, went away and just totally forgot about these traps that I was meant to put into this bin outside with prawns and all sorts of rubbish in them. And, um, yeah, I don't know if there's much relevance to that story, but it was pretty, I was a bit of an idiot because um, when I turned up for work the next day, they were pretty, uh, pretty cranky at me. So I didn't really do my role very well. Uh, as Christians, we find our identity in God. He gives us worth, and he also gives us a role, and that's just to want to please him. So it's not like it's a hard... Well, it has its challenges, but it's something we do as an honour to him. Uh, just a side note, in case you're wondering about that whole cleaning story real quick, um, Ruth does find it pretty much impossible to believe I was a cleaner once. <laughs> just the other day, she's like, oh, I found a half-eaten chicken wing under the couch. I was like, oh, stop lying, I ate more than half. <laughs> she lies on her part. So, um, anyway, so, so what we've got so far, from what Al said, he sort of built up that identity. So we know we've got our identity found in God. He gives us our worth over the world's opinion. And our role in this is to live to please him by doing his will. And that's sort of what I want to talk about. And um, I'll just throw my disclaimer out real quickly so you don't think like, oh, man, he thinks he's got it all together. Obviously, I don't. And the only reason I'm sort of talking about this topic is because it's what I'm getting challenged in. And um, God's really been sort of hitting me with it lately. And I feel like it's something I should talk about. So definitely, probably if it's anything, it's for me. So judge me. Um, So, yeah, I feel like I'm being challenged a lot lately on stepping out of my comfort zones. Sometimes we can find a space where we get pretty comfortable. Um, we don't really challenge ourselves. And I know I've shared this with some of you guys before, but I went through this stage where it's probably like three years or well, maybe two, two. We'll go with two. It's not as bad. Where um, I just felt really flat as a Christian. Like I was just moseying on through and turning up. And it got to this point where I did that for so long that it, you know, I had my own plans. And I was like, oh, if I ask God in... I knew, I knew God. And I was like, if I ask him into this area he's going to do something and then I'm going to be busy so it was kind of like I was, I was pretty selfish and um, in that way um, maybe God had a, a reason for the season maybe I wasn't ready but the, when it came down to it I really felt unfulfilled as a Christian I thought I knew there's more than this and I finally got to that point where I said um, you know God I'm going to let you in you can have this area I wouldn't give him at all because it's just it'd blow my circuits but I'd give him an area and say let's work on that and Surely enough, you know, you see growth in that and you grow. And uh, I've totally lost where I'm going. You should probably realise that. (laughs) Um, I do want to say that to surrender to God's will is obviously hard. Um, We've seen Jesus in, you know, we heard about him in the garden where he asked his father to take it, you know, the cup from him because it was hard for him to follow through on that will. But uh, I wish for me I didn't have these control issues in my life, but we're human and uh, we do. But 
Yeah, by letting God in, it might only be that one area at a time of our lives, but it brings God so much joy and brings us closer to him. If you want to keep growing with God, it's entirely up to us. God will never make us do things, uh, but he'll always keep the door open for us to step into more with him. Um, yeah, right, right now I'm actually facing a little bit of a dilemma. Uh, there's something, it's not that bad, I say dilemma, but it's something God's put in front of me. Uh, like usual, it's going to challenge me and put me out of my comfort zone. Um, I got to the point with this where I made a decision and said, no way, not doing it. I said no. <laughs> no. Some people's no's no. Mine seems to be like this swinging door. But uh, I said, I'm not doing it. But I know, it's gonna, I know it'll benefit me. I can see that I'll grow from it. And um, I, it actually came up probably this time last year, and I said no. I, I was strong. I was like, no, nah, I'm saying no. So dug my heels in and uh, dusted my hands of it. But God seems to have brought it back again. Uh, it's something he wants me to deal with, I guess. And uh, sometimes the only way forward is through our fears. And... Um, yeah, if we don't trust God and submit to his will, we can get stuck back at that place where we're feeling unfulfilled and we're not moving forward and it just becomes a little bit of a hamster in the cage sort of thing. So in summary, I know the decision I need to make uh, to walk into God's will and I guess, I guess I'll probably sign. <laughs> if, if the person's listening on this podcast that needs to know that, that's a yes. <laughs> but be gentle with me. Um, so we're never going to make it down here. We're never going to be 100%. I think... 100% is when we get to heaven. That's when God makes us, you know, what he wants us to be. And um, there's not this striving like we have to be 100%. But sometimes, I, you know, I look in the mirror and I think, if I have to give a percentage of how much I'm surrendering to God, and I'm not going to tell you how much it is because you will judge me, but I'd say, you know, it might be like 60-40 and 70-30. Um, Pauline, <laughs> 70-30, that's better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think we have to be honest with ourselves sometimes where we're not letting God in, where we're not growing. And... Um, by allowing God's desire for us to be above our own plans, uh, we please him and go closer to him. Um, I better get a little bit Christian and get a verse up there. Um, I just want us to have a look at Hebrews 13.20. Oh, he's so quick. Um, I'll just read this out. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may you work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So to break that down a little bit, you know, I've, I've probably skimmed over that verse a million miles an hour in the past and been like, oh, he's going to give me good stuff. He's, you know, but he's, you know, th- what Jesus and, you know, what he sees as good is good stuff for doing his will. That's what he's going to equip us will. Uh, and what's pleasing to him. This is stuff that is eternal. It's not earthly stuff. It's good for him. Or it might be kingdom minded. I don't want to say that because it could be good for that. But it is in his will that these things he'll give to us. So we all know it's going, not going to be smooth sailing. I think at least once a week Ruth reminds me that um, when I start expecting things from God for my good behaviour that my rewards are going to be in heaven. <coughs> and uh, she's probably right. I was touching up on a bit of light reading the other day and I found this quite challenging. Um, so I, I was sort of wondering, what I wonder what happened, you probably all know, but I hadn't got that far in my life. I was like, I wonder what happened to the, the you know, 12 disciples or apostles after... You know, Jesus went, what did they get up to and did they die or whatever? Obviously they probably passed on, but it turned out that spreading the word to the nations and submitting to God, uh, it was a bit risky. Uh, they definitely didn't spend too many Sunday afternoons by the pool. Um, I'll spare the grisly details, but it ended up costing them their lives, obviously, but in some pretty barbaric ways. Uh, but one thing's for sure, they obeyed God, they listened to the Spirit, and they were able to spread Christianity far and wide. Um, I'm sure they could have found a nice quiet shearing shed or whatever the job of the day back then was and just kept quiet and lived a you know, peaceful life. But 
these guys had, you know, they'd been impacted. They were transformed. The spirit they received was new life to them. Uh, they, they had to know the outcome wasn't going to be rosy, um, but they were living to please God over themselves. Um, yeah, I was reading Andrew. He got crucified on like this bent, you know, they rolled it over a bit or something, put it on a different angle. But um, in the time he hung on this cross between when he was put on there and when he died, he still preached. He, anyone that came by, he still preached to them. I just think, man, that's sold out for God. That's, that's crazy. Um, so I'm not saying we should all go out and risk our lives. Um, I love life way too much. <laughs> Got a few hobbies going on. But I guess it does show that <laughs> I guess it does show that our time here is short and precious. Um, if these generations of Christians before us, and we know this ones around the world now that are you know putting their life on the line and giving it all for God, if they're willing to surrender everything down to their last breath for God, then it should encourage us to want to honour God by allowing Him to have have that little say in the areas we hold back from Him. <clears throat> Obviously, this takes a choice on our part to ask God what we're called to and to daily seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. I think it's important to remember that you know God wants to lead us. You know He's not. I think we get this idea of God. He's like, oh, he's he's hiding, but he's not. He wants to lead us. That's his desire. He's um he's not mysterious. He's waiting for us to ask him in. We can trust him not to push us further than we're ready, and just be real with him. Yeah, I've harped on this hiding thing. I had another line about it. He's not hiding. Uh, he not, doesn't hide our blessings and callings. It's not an Easter egg hunt. He wants real relationship with us. Um, there's this really cool verse I'll get us to have another look at. It sort of co-relates with the, the Hebrews one we just read. Uh, it's John 15, 15. And this sort of sums what I was just saying up. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. So he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So um, again, it's like, like that Hebrews verse where we're getting equipped with good things to do his will and things that are pleasing to him. This is Je- Jesus before that, I guess, saying you know, he's appointed us, you know, appointed us, given us a role to bear fruit that will last. So that, again, eternal stuff, kingdom-minded stuff. All that said, I'm saying this because it's something God's challenging me with. Like I said before, life's pretty good down here at times and even... Even when I was going through this stuff, I was, I was starting to feel a bit guilty. I was like, well, I can't have any fun. I won't plan that holiday. You know, I've got to sell out, but not sell out in a good way. That sounded bad. Luke, delete that bit. <laughs> but, you know, we put fun back. But I looked into that a bit. I was like, I want to know about this. So I read this article. I'm going to steal all this. Um, but this is this guy called Randy who wrote an article. I should give him due credit. It was Randy Alcorn. And his question was, should we only find happiness in God or is it okay to be happy with our family, friends, work, pets, flowers and forests? So in other words, the world. Uh, I'll just read what he said because I thought he put, put it better than I will. He says, God is primary. All other forms of happiness, relationships, created things and material pleasures are secondary. If we don't consciously see God as their source, these secondary things intended for enjoyment can master us. By recognising God as primary, we maximise our enjoyment of the secondary with no danger of idolising it. The better I know Jesus, the more I see him all around me, in people's, animals, places. He goes on to talk about his golden retriever, but I won't go there. But, um, yeah, pretty much what he's saying is, you know, the things we love, you know, planning holidays and houses, all this stuff, there's nothing wrong with it. It's all fine to, you know, be hungry for, but you can't let it master you. You have to have God as number one. You know, he wants top spot, and all these other things become good through that. Um, yeah, so 
That's why I don't care for material things. So <laughs> that's not true. Our internet went down the other day and I totally lost it. <laughs> they told me I was down to some snail's pace of a rate and I was like, no, you're kidding me. And, um, okay, well, I'll summarise because Ruth always says, you don't summarise enough and people are lost. I said, so, so far we know we have our identity in God. He gives us our worth. We're given the choice to live to please him by following his will for us. Hopefully everyone's keeping up with that. Good. All right, so next question, I guess, is how do we start practically following God's will daily? So we got Al spoke last week about having an instruction manual, uh, the Bible. Um, in Psalms it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, so we'll take a look at some of the stuff it has to say. There's also a guide sent to us in the Holy Spirit. So we've got this instruction manual and we've got a guide. Uh, he lives in every one of us to guide us into God's will. I've had the odd shock where I get lost in my head. I've told you these stories before. You're like, oh, I'm not there again. But I do let thoughts totally overwhelm me and my little bubble feels too big for its boots. Uh, just the other week I had a little localised stress attack and um, I was wandering around the house in a panic. But thank goodness Ruth had the cool, calm nature to get hold of me and just say, look, stay calm, <laughs> we'll pray for you. It's not that big a deal. It's probably just some work thing. I think I ended up on the ground for like an hour, but by allowing God to come in, by asking him, okay, I'll, I'll stop striving to work this out, you know, he brought this peace. I just remember, well, it's like white noise. I just couldn't even put my finger on what was the problem. It was just me in my head. But as soon as Ruth prayed for me and I just went quiet and let him work on me, it just went silent. I felt this such a peace. Um, yeah, so to get there, I did have to surrender. Um, I had to invite the Holy Spirit into the situation. Otherwise, the devil was going to have a field day with my mind. Uh, we have to not give in to the ways the world does. We have a higher authority, and that's what we can do. We can call on God, and he's, you know, his name alone just totally overpowers those voices and that. Um, I guess you can turn there if it looks quick, but we, we see in Galatians 5, 16, uh, it says, Live by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. Um, it goes on in the following verses after this to speak of, it sort of names the desires of the, the flesh, idolatry, sorcery, strife, all the usual ones. Strife. But quick, stray day yesterday. <laughs> That's strife. But quick, sorry, but quickly stands up to these things with the fruits of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit in us wants us to, to desire after and please God, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Um, then he says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the Spirit. So there's something there, but I didn't write what, but hopefully it's self-explanatory. <laughs> So we read in Hebrews 4.12, I will get that one up, if Luke doesn't mind. So Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Um, yeah, just a thought. Like how, how many times have we opened up the Bible and read just the right thing at the right time or... Um, you know, we can declare the words and the verses in the Bible over our lives, uh, in our worship to God, you know. It has authority, it has power, the words that are in this book, you know. They're not dead, it is alive. Um, we can count on them to hold that authority. Uh, there are some things that can hold our progress in walking in God's will, obviously. But uh, I know for me, I get all caught up and frustrated sometimes when I've... These are just some examples. When I've asked God for help in an area, and if I'm honest, sometimes I've kind of already decided the outcome of what I'm, what I'm wanting. It's like, I'll ask for your help, but this is what I want. And, um, which isn't bad, but can be a little bit one-tracked. And 
I want it to, to just happen. I want God to make that thing happen and get me to that point. And when I get the answer back, it's not always lining up. I get stubborn and dig the heels in then. That's when I get naughty. I think <laughs> not moving forward, that's not what I want. And um, I think that's normal. It's worth taking up with God. Um, ask him about this stuff. It's a relationship so you can talk to him. Say, God, why are you leading my life here when I want to go there? Or I have ambition to be this and it's that. So it is a relationship. Talk to him about it. Um, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is telling us what's from God. And he knows what's best for us. Um, yeah, just a little example of you know trusting God. Like I've seen, you know, the game Pac-Man. I'm sure everyone's played it. I'm a little, I'm a bit long in the tooth, so I've played it. <laughs> I have actually. But um, I was thinking about this, and you know, you got Pac-Man. You play it from like this top-down position where you see your little guy, and there's like monsters coming from everywhere. But from top down, you can see where they're coming from. You know. Um, you know where to go to avoid them and all this. I think that's God. He has this overall view that we don't see. He can see trouble coming. He knows where to direct us. Um, I think for us, we're the Pac-Man. We're in the first person view down in the maze with these 10-foot walls around us and we don't know if there's a mon- you know, something on the other side that's harmful to us or coming up behind us. So we do have to trust God. We've got to know he, he knows what's best and he's got the better view of it. Um, there's, uh, yeah, I, I actually read that Egypt to Israel takes 40 days on foot, so... Someone was uh, on first-person view there. <clears throat> yeah, so God sees the whole picture. He, sa- he sees our whole life planned out, and sometimes even when it doesn't make sense, uh, when I've cooled off from my wild temper tantrums and submitted, he showed me a bit more of a bigger picture and helped me understand. Um, another area that can get us stuck in the mud from moving forward with God is that we can sometimes sort of sit back and wait for this like grand instruction in our life or like this big calling, and we're like, you know, we just want something big. We just want to sit there and hear it. And um, rather than looking at you know, the Bible's already given us so many instructions on how to get to that point, on how to walk into things. There's little steps, and I think that's, you know, we just got to read these things and really step into them to get to where he wants us to be. Um, so the Bible tells us, present ourselves to God. Uh, there's numerous ways to do this. If we take a geese at Romans 12, verse 1, let's have a little sip of my uh, Kool-Aid. Okay, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test, approve what is the will of God, what is good and more pleasing and perfect. Um. I mean, there's, I don't know how many parts of the body there is. I'm not that smart. I didn't do autobiology. But two parts of the body that I just want to focus on here that we can actually work on and get practical with um, are our mouths and our minds. Um, The first area we can look to renew and align with God's will is to present our spoken word. So um, the whole body works as one, but takes orders from the mind and action by the mouth. We sort of need to reprogram our minds in godliness to allow a fresh view on what we let our mouths do. This, yeah, this relies on the Holy Spirit to guide us daily. God tells us in Ephesians 5.17 to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. It might only be like a 10-second commitment at the start of each day, but there's definite power in that, just giving God control of your day, give, like, dedicate your mouth to him, your mind, so that he can be in control of it and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Um, yeah, so ask him to refill your spirit, give you a greater capacity um, and show love during the day. Make a decision not to say the unhelpful thoughts of people. I mean, I know this stuff's all basic, but I think sometimes 
we do just go out there like renegades and we can let stuff slip. So it's still important. Um, build each other up. If there is truth that needs to be said, first take it before God before we go and attack someone. Um, lies in today's culture spread quicker than truth. Uh, if we look at the verse from Romans, we're told to present our bodies to be pleasing to God. I dare, I dare say the most destructive part of our body that the devil uses is our tongues, which is our spoken word. Uh, you don't have to turn here, but there's this cool verse in <clears throat> James 3 verse 5. We'll take the ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Sounds like something the devil can really use. So, Like everything God's given us, uh, there's free will uh, and a choice in it. But the devil can do so much damage when we don't take hold of the things we say. So for practical advice, I'd just say that's you know something every day. I don't do it. It's something I've got to do. So this is, like I said, this is for me, but... You know, we do need to take that 10 seconds and just say, you know, God, I give you authority over what I say today. Let it be of you sort of thing. And he'll, you know, there's authority like we've talked in the word. He can do that. Uh, the second thing to look at is to present our minds to God's will. Like I said before, it's a choice we have to make for protection daily against the thoughts the devil tries to put on us. I read that in a bad way, but yeah, protection from the thoughts. Go back to what Al was saying to us about our worth and our identity, knowing who we are in God because of Jesus. Stand on who God says we are. We're chosen, we're predestined, and we're his children. The other area in presenting our minds to his will is not just our thoughts, but in obeying what he puts on our hearts and mind, uh, which is to walk into his will for us. Um, I was reading the old story of Abraham and Isaac, and um, I don't know how he did it, but at God's will, Abraham was willing to offer his son as a living sacrifice. I always think of Isaac as this like tiny boy who's like, Dad, where are we going? He's like, just to the fire, boy. But um, turns out Isaac was like a teenager, so he could have easily been like, you get on there, Pop. <laughs> no way. So he must have obeyed his father. There must have been such a trust from Abraham too because I was reading that uh, God had already told him that through Isaac, your descendants are going to carry on your name like there was this you know trust he must have had that you know he'll send me here but i'm going to do as he says there's always i trust that promise so this would have been a tad bit confusing i'm sure but he obeyed god's will um and god honored his willingness to obey by sparing isaac um and to us the one that matters most we got jesus who uh, followed his father's will even though he asked for another way he knew how hard that was going to be but um yeah, he obeyed his father right to the end and, and followed through on it. Uh, so to put into summary as best as I can understand from what I've read and experienced in my life with God, it's that we need to put our trust in him. There's a major element of surrender. We need to have our ways and our ideas of what we think is good for us. There's an element of surrender we need to have of our ways and our ideas of what we think of is good for us to allow God's will to work in our life. He sees what we need and what's best for us. And most importantly... God loves us. He's our Father, and his will is always to draw us closer to him. Um, I guess to conclude this, hopefully I've gone long enough, <laughs> and there's good stuff in there. To conclude this, we often hear that you know, Jesus lived a short but full life. Um, what he valued is a full life compared to today. Um, you know, Things that we get our identity out of today, like I was saying, like marriage, you know, kids, 
having a cool car, house, going overseas. Like we always like to say, oh, I've been here and here and here. You know, it's all cool stuff and there's nothing wrong with it. But we see from Jesus' life, you know, he wasn't married. He didn't have kids. He rode around on a donkey. <laughs> um, he didn't travel the world. What Jesus valued in his short life, which was said to be full, was living a life pleasing to his Father's will. So, yeah, that's all I've got. But, um, yeah, some of that stuff, I hope that comes through in the fact that I just feel like, um, you know, following God's will, it is tricky, it is a bit hard at times, and it might lead us not where we want to go, but it, he knows best. We've got to trust him with our lives, and um, the blessings in that are going to be awesome the day we get to heaven, and, and he'll make our life pretty good here too. So put that trust in him. I'll wrap it up by praying. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we're never going to be perfect. We know that. Um, but we know what you've done for us. That sacrifice is worth more than we give sometimes. And Father, I just pray that some of this stuff just penetrates. And Lord, we, we want to be transformed. Um, we want to live our life daily for you. And we're not strong enough to carry it out in this big scheme. But Lord, we just pray that you know each day we just re-strengthen, refill our spirit and uh, allow his voice to guide us where you want us to be. Um, and we just want to get closer to you in that, Father. We just thank you for this morning. Um, I pray that everyone here is blessed this week. I pray that you have a safe week. And, um, yeah, God, we just love you. Thank you. Amen.